Welcome to Sportsnet Tonight with Elliot Price. Brought to you by the Old Orchard Pub. There's a lead pass. In on Bo McDavid. Scores! 3-1 Canada. Here's the one-two pitch from Martinez. The 2-1 pitch. Cordero swings. Base hit. The Expos will win. The Expos will win. Cordero with a base hit to win the ball game in the bottom of the ninth inning. The drought is over. Drink it in, Canada. World champions. It's Elliott. Elliott for the touchdown. And now, here's your host, Elliott Price. Price. Growing up a Leafs fan here in Montreal hasn't been easy. When they were good with Matt Sundin and making the conference finals, it didn't matter because Habs fans had the chant. 67. Then it got even worse as Toronto not only became the team that hadn't won a cup in 50 years, they also became the team that missed the playoffs year in and year out. It was a good time to be a Habs fan because it made it easy to distract yourself from the fact that if you're my age, you haven't seen a Stanley Cup for Montreal either since you've been six years old. But the past few seasons, Montreal has put together a very solid team, and Carey Price has the city genuinely optimistic about potentially making a run at the Cup. Enjoy it, as you should. The NHL is a better league when the Canadians are good. But enjoy the memories of Toronto being a laughing stock and missing the playoffs while you can. Because trust me when I say this, those days are ending. The pieces have been being put together for a while now, just like the Penguins did, and the Blackhawks, draft pick after draft pick, and now Toronto is ready to take a step forward. Even the biggest Toronto haters are taking notice and realize what is coming. There have been four months this season. Three of those months, the Rookie of the Month has gone to a Maple Leaf. Pretty impressive. What makes that even more impressive? It's been three different Maple Leafs players. Nylander in October, Matthews in December, Marner in January. That trio is going to be a force to be reckoned with. Austin Matthews as a rookie playing without top-end talent is already putting up nearly a point per game and is top 10 in the league in goals. His possession numbers are through the roof, and if this is only his first year, imagine what the ceiling is for this kid. Mitch Marner, just a few months ago, was being talked about, is he good enough for the NHL? Is he big enough? Should we send him back down? He almost has a point per game. He's on pace for 70 this year. I don't think anybody is asking that question anymore. Nylander has 31 points as a rookie, yet he's just the other guy right now because of how good the rookies are on this team. But it's not just those three. It goes deeper than that. Connor Brown, Zach Hyman, Nikita Zaitsev, all also rookies for the Leafs. Leipzig, Kapanen, a ton of other prospects. And you got players already there being groomed under Mike Babcock. Morgan Riley looks like he's becoming a number one defenseman. Frederick Anderson, who seems like the goaltender the team has been desperate for for years. And Nazem Kadri is being talked about as a Selkie candidate when last year he wasn't anything like that. It's not hard to see Toronto isn't far away from being a perennial contender. This is not a, an attack on the Habs whatsoever. They're in first place and look like one of the top teams this season without a doubt. But just know that very soon, and possibly even this season, the Leafs are going to be a team that the Habs will be seeing in the playoffs. And eventually in future seasons, possibly even looking up at in the standings. All I know for sure is I cannot wait to see this rivalry get back to what it used to be. And that's not Montreal's fault. It's Toronto's for falling off and not making it to the playoffs. But they're back now. And just like the NHL is better off when Montreal is a good team, the same could be said about Toronto. So sit back and enjoy the show. Because I know I will.
Fresh Kid Z, Fresh Kid C, yes, sir. Fresh Kid P, Fresh Kid Z. Oh yeah, we back. Owens oh, Apple, by the way. Yeah, Jones. <laughs> yeah. Titty Bang, and we pretty much amazing. Can we hear your new song, please? I got you. Hey yo, I once was a kid, all I had was a dream. More money, more problems. When I get it, I'ma pound it out. Want the bread, we get so so fresh How we flow, everybody get this down Yo, I was a kid with the other little kids Now I'm ripping up shows and the fans going wild with us Tell mommy I'm sorry, this life is a party Remember you was a kid, reminisce days of the innocence Now it's shitty bang, Google me And welcome to Sportsnet tonight without Elliot Price I'm gonna say I'm not explaining it like I did yesterday No Tonight it's it's Grant Robinson and Freddie Uni That's right Taking over Taking over Taking over. How are you feeling today, Freddie? Good, good. Listen, that was impassioned, an impassioned speech from it's, you. It's like a soliloquy. <laughs> it was, it was, uh, it was wonderful. It was beautiful. I don't want to. I don't want to mention the Oilers and their ten years of good it's draft fi- picks. It's well, no, hold on. <laughs> One year of a good draft pick. I'll say this: I look, think these a good teams. Pick. It's how you get good in the NHL now. Everybody talks yeah. about Chicago. They were they built by being crap. Yeah. Toronto is good now because they were crap. And same yeah. with Pittsburgh, right? You don't get Crosby, you don't get Malkin, you don't have Cubs. Yeah, no, and I think you know as, as pain as it pains me to say, uh, they they did it the right way. They you know they dismantled the team. They started building it up with uh, with the hire of Shanahan and Lou Lamorello and Babcock, yep. and they're doing it the right way. And in this NHL, you can't do it any other way but from the ground it's up. It's hard, right? Draft. Yeah, like it's, it's very difficult. Like Montreal being where they are without low picks is impressive. But they got the Galchenyuk one year, you know what I mean? Yeah. Sergachev ninth, maybe we'll see what he ends up being. Carey Price was obviously in the lottery year, yep. but look what that did for the franchise. I mean, this league is now built through the draft quickly before we go into opening face-off. Yeah. Remember last time we did the show together? I what did you say I was in? What am I in right now? What are you in? You used uh, an expression. I did? I am sitting in the chair. Which What <laughs> type of chair would it be if I'm in control? Oh, the captain's chair. The captain's there chair, right? The yeah. captain's chair. Are did you, you ready? Did you bring it? Oh, of course I oh, You should have reminded me. <laughs> What he's doing, ladies and gentlemen, is pulling out a captain's that hat. The captain's hat. And, he and has you get the, the co-hat. The Look mate. at this. Yeah, yeah. We do it for real. <laughs> Look at this. Look at it's this. It's hard with headphones on. Not that bad. Is the captain's hat. The captain's hat. Wait <laughs> Fantastic. There you go. You see? See how that's done, Freddie? Yeah. I, like I made it. you a promise. I don't break my promises. All if right. there's one thing I don't do, uh, it's that. So what I'm trying to say here is... Oh, yeah. I don't know if I could do that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're in. we got to do this for at least opening face. I'm in. Yeah. All right. Are you ready to get there? After these messages, I'm totally ready. All right. We'll be back. It's time for the opening face-off with Elliot Price and Grant Robinson. It's actually Freddie Uni and Grant Robinson tonight, but we didn't have time to to make the opening. No, no, we didn't. No, we didn't. Okay, so Yahoo Sports Puck Daddy blog on it. Iginla unequivocally states that he'd like to go somewhere at the deadline, playing the playoffs. Where would he be a good fit? I said this weeks ago. I don't know if you remember this. I remember, this. and that's why I'm bringing it, it up. It wasn't a you question about up. veterans. You know, it wasn't a question about 
who's old and, and should have another run. I just said if if there's one trade that I want to see, yeah, I want to see a Ginla on a contender again, and I would like it to be. I don't. I don't mean Stanley Cup, but just a team that's going to make the playoffs. And I really do think yeah. the two teams that I look at and say, I mean, you could put them on a on a Pittsburgh on a and just put them on like a third fourth line and and let him do that. But I'd love to see him. I'm not joking. Back in Calgary, you know they're in a. They have a lot of young players. Yeah, they can use a veteran. I'm not saying he's going to change their team, but he's not going to hurt it. Look at the right wing depth, you know, or yeah. or Edmonton. Same thing. I know Edmonton is a rival of Calgary, but that would make it almost just as sweet somehow. Yeah. What about? I'm gonna. I have. I have a follow up question here. But do you think he would fit here on the Habs as a hundred percent? A hundred. I would hate okay. to see him on the Habs as a Leafs. So fan. now you've given three suggestions. And like we said, this is not, we're not spreading rumors. No, no, there's just, no rumors whatsoever. But those are three teams that might call. Com- exactly. So my question now is, what would it cost or what would you give up as, say, Bergevin? Then put your, you got your captain's hat on, put your yeah, 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 Trevelling hat on, hat. Brad Trevelling. And then I put on one. your Chicharelli, no, uh, um, uh, hat. What would you be willing to give or what would you give up at all? I know people are for a talking. guy, by the way, by the way, six goals, six goals, six assists in forty-eight games. Granted, Colorado is awful this year. Look at Gabriel Landeskog's stats right now. Right, okay. he's still a top-end guy, but he's also like. Uh, 15 years no, younger. No, I agree, but he's not producing either. Don't tell me that Jerome McGinley can't pull it together for meaningful games. You know you know how hard it is to get up for a game that doesn't matter at this age? He's no. been to the cup final, right? Yeah. He's been the guy. Now you're you're like not the guy on a bad team that's playing for nothing. That's hard to get excited about. I'm not saying he's going to make a difference, but people talking about, oh, Ginlow won't cost more than a fifth-round pick, okay. you're crazy. So well, what would you be willing to give that, if you're Montreal, Honestly, what are you giving up to get a, a depth forward? Or if even if it you're depends Calgary. what the price is, right? I call Calgary and I say, look, what draft pick would you want? Or look, these draft picks on this team are guys that we don't necessarily like. You're not giving up circuit, like none of those guys. No, but no. I'm saying, say, look at the guys we have right now in the minors. Right? Is there some? You got to know what interests them. I don't know what it is. I don't think it takes a bowler to be honest. No, 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 no. I don't no. think it does. No. At the same time, if they give you someone else, like another defenseman with it. I honestly think he can help a team. So I don't care. Even if they said second round pick, it's probably an overpayment. But people do this every year. Robert Lang, they gave up a second round pick for him. No, that's true. Don't tell me they don't. And Aginla's the type of guy that I, I feel like even if he plays bad, you won't regret having him on your team. And at he's the very least, go. he still has a shot that on a power play could, yeah, 100%, on a second unit, 100%, he doesn't man. need to play top minutes. I Listen, I, I also would love to see him compete uh, for another for another cup. I don't think he's going to go to Calgary um, uh, or uh, I hope not Edmonton as a Flames fan. I think that would just be sacrilegious. It would be. That's uh, why and, I like it though, uh, for some yeah. reason. Um, and um, I guess my last question here is you rarely hear a veteran talk like that. He's at the last year of his contract, and you've never heard him, even when the Flames are struggling, his time in Pittsburgh yeah. and Boston, even the last few years, this idea of leaving. Are we looking at maybe the last year the that last Jerome is in the NHL? I mean, if it's not, it's close, right? Uh, it, it all depends on him and, and where he ends up, but maybe he goes to the playoffs right now, has a good run if he gets traded somewhere, and it reignites something, right? I don't know. And I think that he knows this is very likely his last year. Not 100%, I don't think, but I think that definitely has to do with why he's asking for it. And even if it's not your last, even if it's you got one and a half left in you, 
you still want to go somewhere. You don't want to yeah. waste the half, right? Uh, no. What would right. you give up for him, honestly? Look, it'll be an overpayment. I, I think. I'm sure. I think I wouldn't overpay for him. That I would not overpay for him. Maybe a low depth minor le- minor leaguer, and maybe a uh, a low draft pick, like a maybe a four or five, but nothing so you're more saying than that. A, a prospect like a decent, like not, not a, a guy. decent, a low end. But that's what draft I mean, pick. like a prospect that's uh, not prospect. a guy that you know you're cutting, but no. maybe he turns into something yeah. plus a four. I'm fine with I'm that. I'm not giving up much. But listen, uh, before we move on to the next question, I sentimentally, as the person who I believe literally saved the, the Calgary franchise. And some dark, dark, lean years. Uh, that playoff run was amazing, I wish by the him way. Uh, nothing. But I hope he goes to a contender, and I, and I want to see him uh, lift the cup. Except if it's with the Oilers, then you can. Uh, then <laughs> well, they can. Uh, I don't think the Oilers are winning the cup. So I <laughs> All think right, you're let's good. move on here. Uh, according to Sportsnet, John Shannon, the NHL and NHLPA will meet with Rene Fassel of the IIHF and Thomas Bach of the IOC in New York tomorrow to, to, to discuss NHL participation in the 2018 Olympics in South Korea. After not being, quote, officially on the BOG agenda in L.A., does this signal an NHL change of heart? Does this signal that the NHL is going? I think that the whole time, and again, I, I've had moments where I'm scared now, where I'm like, wow, they're serious. Like, they're not going. But I've still, from the beginning, said there's no chance it's not going to happen. And now I think it's very clear there's a chance they're not going. But mm-hmm. I, you see the players, man. The All-Star game, that's what I took from the All-Star game. Everybody they interviewed talked about how much it means to them going. The players, that I just is. Think, yeah, with the players. I just think it's a dangerous... I think the owners know if you say no to them here... You know, you're asking, and you're talking about you don't want to break up the season. You don't want to do this. You just did that for the World Cup, and you made money off it. And you want to do it again next, or sorry, two years from now. You think the players are going to continue? I'm not saying they won't. Yeah. But look at Conor McGregor. Okay, yeah. it's a perfect example. It's a guy who wanted something, knew what he was worth. They played hardball, said no. You know what I mean? Kind mm-hmm. of pushed him aside. Remember, they canceled his UFC 200. That's right, yes. And then he came back and did what he said. He delivered. And now he's more popular than ever. And now, instead of just agreeing with him and keeping him on your side, you kind of created an enemy. I don't... I. I know it's the whole league. Yeah. I'm just saying, you don't want guys like that mad at you. And I don't think they're going to the KHL. I don't think no. if Ovechkin left, it would even change the league. But... It's just a bad look. I think the problem here is that the long game for the NHL really is is Beijing, is the Chinese market. And further to what you said with regards to what Bettman was talking about in regards to, you know, not... It's not just about the money the IOC paying, but the disruption to the season and the compressed schedule. Look, you're totally right. With the World Cup, it happened. With these bye weeks, you have compressed schedules. So it's not a matter of disrupting a season necessarily. It's not a matter of a compressed schedule necessarily. I really think it's a money issue, although Bettman... They don't say that, saying but it's I not agree. the only reason. Even if the he's on record as saying, even if uh, the money's there, they have to deal with these other things. I just, you know, I, I don't know um, if it's if if anything's going to happen of it. I hope it does happen. I hope they do go to South Korea. People hold grudges, man. That's no. all I'm saying. And, and you say what you want. Negotiations are going to come back up. Eventually, we're going to be talking about another lockout. You already screwed them with this escrow thing. Oh, yeah. That the players at each year get screwed more and more by. You know what I mean? They, yep. They're trying to use this. The whole reason this started is they want to use this to extend this same CBA. They want to say, you want the Olympics? Fine. Who's that? The owners. But keep the same CBA we have because they know how bad it's screwing the players. <laughs> so to me, I'm just saying you're going to have to negotiate one day again. Yeah. Right? 
I don't want to be the guy who's sitting at the ne- that negotiation table when it's it's not going to be Sidney Crosby, right? It's the NHLPA, but be. they have their opinions or yeah. their voices are, are coming through them, and, and you're going to tell me you want to hear, hey, look, remember we really wanted to do that, and we told you how much it meant to us, and you told us pretty much go screw ourselves? Yeah. Well, it's your turn. Yeah. I, I hope as a fan it doesn't happen, and who doesn't love watching Olympic hockey? No, very true. Let's hope that these this is a signal of good things to yep. come and that a deal will get struck. We're talking about one year shy of the Olympics. Moving on to the NFL. In an article by CBS Sports' Jason Lackenfora, he posits where Jimmy Garoppolo may end mm. up in the offseason. Without giving away what he thinks, I, I think where I read do you this. Did he say Cleveland? Is that the article? That he yes. Well, he suggests the Bears, who who are going to make a strong effort. He suggests the Browns, the 49ers, and the Jets, although they're in the same division, so it's Yeah, less I don't likely. think they're trading him to the Jets, that's so who for do sure. you think? Unless, and if they do trade him to the Jets, okay, then Bill Belichick uh, fooled us all, and Garoppolo's garbage, and he's pawning him off. You know what I mean? If if they trade him within division, they know he's not good. Well, they did that with Drew Bledsoe so, to, to Buffalo years ago. So who, where do you think Garoppolo's going? Uh, I could see Cleveland. I, honestly, everybody, there's going to be some quarterbacks. Look, Tony Romo is not healthy, but he's going to be available this year. I think a team like, you know, if you're a Super Bowl contender, do you want Jimmy Garoppolo going into this year who's going to learn on the job, or do you want a veteran that's done it uh, I think you're going to see Romo more an option for teams like that, or a veteran. You know, Jay Cutler's out there. I don't like him that much as a quarterback, but he's going to move on from the Bears. Uh, so where I, do you think Garoppolo? I really could see Cleveland. I really could see it because they have two first round picks. They're not trading the first overall. They have the twelfth overall. They are desperate. You think they're giving up a, a first round pick? For I'm not Garoppolo? saying it has to be a first round, but I'm saying that first rounder. Maybe you trade down and and do something else, mm. but. Sam Bradford got a first-round pick last year. Uh, But he did have a more uh, full career. He did have a better, a larger body of work. A larger body of work, but to me, he had so much time to prove he's something special. He never did it, right? Garoppolo is still like a blank canvas. Right. You know, Belichick did a little, hey, look what I could do in week one with him. He'll beat the crap out of Arizona. We go 2-0 with him. And I'm not sold. I wouldn't want to give up a first round pick. I'd rather go and, and take a Deshaun Watson or somebody like that and try. But Cleveland's right. tried this. Cleveland has tried so many times. And there's so many guys who go from Cleveland to New England and end up successful. <laughs> I'm sure Cleveland, look, Cleveland's trying the, they're doing the opposite. Hey, we're going to sign, uh, we're going to trade for Jamie Collins and sign yeah. him to 50 million. And now we're going to trade for Garoppolo. We'll I, I can out. see it happening. And what about, he also references Romo in where he may go this offseason. He talks about Romo wanting to go to contending yeah. team. I've Texans, Denver all, all Chiefs, year. Cardinals, or Broncos? You think the Broncos? I've said that since like before. When remember when Romo first lost the job? We yes, we did this on opening faceoff, yes. and Broncos weren't rumored for a quarterback because Simeon was all high and mighty then. To me, he was never going to win a Super Bowl with Denver. We saw what Peyton Manning did with them. Peyton Manning was garbage in his last year. Two years ago with the Broncos, or sorry, the year before that, he was phenomenal. If they would have won in the Super Bowl when they went with him... Although he uh, started to look real bad in those playoffs. Yeah, at the end, the last season he had, I think it's 11 touchdowns, 17 interceptions. That's not Peyton Manning. His last season was... was, He was very bad, and they won. You give them a good quarterback. Denver, Arizona, I could see. Kansas City... Do they really want to get rid of Alex Smith for is, Romo? Romo does have injury Romo question marks. Is Romo an upgrade from, from Alex Smith? I think he's... 
in the Chiefs' system. That's what I don't know. I don't. I don't see the Chiefs' move unless they are really tired of Smith. Yeah. I, I don't think so. But I, I could see really Denver, Arizona, Buffalo. Apparently, is going to make a hard push for him. I read that, but they need to convince him that they're a contender Which if they really want. Interesting. That. Uh, and uh, that's all we got. All right. That's opening faceoff. We'll be right back with voices. The opening faceoff with Elliot Price and Grant Robinson. You're listening to Sportsnet Tonight with Elliot Price and Grant Robinson. Welcome back. This is the voices portion of the show. We always do a little snippets here. We're not going to play anything too, too long. Nothing over a minute, but stuff that happened in the last 24 hours. Uh, things, things you should hear. Uh, we're going to start off with the Habs, uh, as we always should. We're in Montreal. I got to do it. Uh, it's there. But uh, Michel Terrier interviewed today. Two quick questions I'm going to play here. The first, Habs have been unhealthy all year. Right, five got only five players on the team have played every single game. You got Radulov, Weber. Uh, no, sorry, Radulov didn't. Pacioretty, Weber, Dano, Mitchell, and Placanics. That's the only guys who played every. Everybody else now. Some have missed. Radulov only missed two. But again, only five guys playing every game. That's a ton of injuries. They've had to deal with it. Uh, they've still won. But they asked yesterday, "What does Coach Terry think about getting his players back?" The, the last two months was pretty rough regarding uh, healthy wise and we still kept it able to maintain um, uh, quality of play that uh, uh, compared probably to I'll say the last year so that's good news for us uh, obviously you know it, it's a big boost to get uh, some of our players back and we just we saw an example yesterday that's what he thinks of that. Like he said, you saw an example. They did beat up on the Sabres. Now it is the Sabres. Uh, they, Sabres actually beat them pretty uh, badly last game they played, but the Habs just, it was no competition last game. They look great. They look real good again tonight so far against Flyers. By the way, it's one uh Montreal. Nikita Nestrov with the goal. Freddie's going to update you that uh, right after these voices. Uh, but for now... Everybody else is talking about, and today when I was on Sportsnet Central, everybody was kind of asking about Radulov and Pacioretty, right? They're on that top line, and they mm-hmm. were clicking. They didn't have Galchenyuk on it, but last game, I know Radulov only got the two assists, but three beautiful plays, all by Radulov. Pacioretty gets the hat trick. He's, he's third in goals right now in the league. I mean, you can't ask for more, so everybody's saying, you know, Dano, do we keep him in that line? Uh, and is the coach going to go with this for the rest of the year? Here's what we're looking for balance in the ever lines, and you can't have a better example than the Stanley Cup winner. They got Kessel on the third line, you know. So they they really well balanced, and they're tough to play against, honestly, because of their balance. I wish I'm capable to do that, and I think we're more a threat when we balance our line instead of to put all those guys together. We'll try, you know. By the end of the day, what's the most important thing is to get result. I want to see result from every lines. I want to see result as a team. I mean, getting wins. And when I don't see result, when I don't see uh, tempo or creative chances, this is where there's a red flag and I have to make adjustment. I got a vision and think that I hope it's going to work. Uh, but if it works, fine. I'll leave it like that. If I see it doesn't work, but we have to make an adjustment. So like Terry said there, pretty much, yes, we're going to keep it until it stops working. And that's Coach Terry. I mean, the guy has a blender on the bench. 
He doesn't care. First period, you could have been great for 30 games. He doesn't like what he sees. One shift, you're getting broken up, and we're going to see that all year. But I think it's good for Montreal to see that, hey, we don't need to have Galchenyuk on that first line. Right now, we could break it up. You have some depth, and that's what he said there. Depth is key and balance. Uh, they don't have a Kessel on the third line. No team does. But like he said, it's it's good to have. And if they can continue to do so and they get these results, they'll stick with it. Results not so good uh, for fans in Canada. Raptors last night, when we did the last update, were up. Looked like they were going to end their streak. Wrong. Boston comes storming back in large part due to Isaiah Thomas. I think he had 19 points in the fourth quarter. And after the game, usually guys will say, you know, oh, it was a good game by them. You know, they're tough competitors. Not Isaiah Thomas. Watch what you say to him because the guy can hold a grudge, let me tell you. That you pay attention to the standings. How much were you thinking about that when it was that? Oh, I remember when Valentina said that we were trying to get for second and they were going for first. So it's the other way around now. <laughs> They're trying to chase for second. Now we're going for first. So words come back to bite you if you can't back it up. <laughs> like he said, words come back to bite you. Look, at, I always people always talk about that, right? Oh, well, do is this bulletin board material, right? Do they really care? They care. It doesn't mean it changes anything. Yeah. But don't tell me Isaiah Thomas didn't... Like he said, this wasn't Valanchunas saying this yesterday. This was months ago. He said, Boston's playing for second, we're playing for first. They remember that, and he came out, instead of giving up when he was down in the fourth quarter, goes and that's probably the best first qu- fourth quarter of his career, and now you lost. So you got to be careful what you said, but again... You don't think the Raptors paid attention to this now and are going to play extra hard? This would be a good series. Uh, I'm really looking forward. I hope that happens. Also, Raptors better start winning some games or it is not going to happen. This one, Super Bowl week, we're going to talk with Daniel Kalis later. Uh, one of the big things everybody's asking this week, Julio Jones, he had a monster week uh, in the conference championship. You know, how good is Julio Jones? Here's Devontae Freeman and Kyle Shanahan to answer that question. He's one of those LeBron James in basketball, but in football, he's that good. I done seen this guy work. I seen how he run routes. Well, I know how he run routes. I know how physical he is. You know, he could do everything. The things people do to Julio is different. I mean, they, they, they will jeopardize their whole coverage sometimes just to take him out. Uh, happened a lot more last year than this year. Uh, we, we've been able to make guys pay a little bit more for doing it. I think that's been a key to everything. Um, but they, they got to do it because Julio is that special. So I get it. Fresh Kid C. Fresh Kid C. Yes, sir. Fresh Kid P. Fresh Kid C. Oh, yeah, we back. Oh, and Zafu, by the way. Yeah, Jones. <laughs> yeah. Chitty Bang. And we pretty much amazing. Can we hear your new song, please? I got you. Hey, yo, I once was a kid. All I had was a dream. All money, more problems. We're back. Look, I'm enjoying I told you you got to wear it for opening face-off. I take it off. This guy just straps in. He's ready for the show. I like it, man. I'm not going to lie. We're, we're doing things different a bit tonight. That's okay, right? We're on the good we're have ship, the good Captain Robinson. And who do we have here? Just so everyone will know, we have Andrew Berkshire on. He'll be on about 835 right after Freddie's update. Uh, we're going to talk Habs with him. And you know what? I actually like having Andrew on because, yes, he's the Habs insider. There's a Habs game to talk about. But he's always ready to answer other questions if we have anything else. He's paying attention to the whole league. Uh, Ryan Dixon, Sportsnet writer, will be on with us after that. 
Uh, then we have, obviously, Daniel Kalis at 9.05. He's on with us every Thursday, uh, breaking down the football. Uh, that'll be interesting. We're going to get into Super Bowl. I got some clips for him. And then we also have, uh, later on from today, Sportsnet Central By TV the debut. way, people can't see Grant. He still has the TV makeup on. He looks you look pretty. You're looking pretty. I, I got to tell you. When a guy walks at you with a brush... And still looks manly somehow. It's impressive. <laughs> Elias Mako, I didn't know these secrets to TV. These secrets? You're, you're in the know now. Yeah. yeah. Good. I, and a clip on tie. Look pretty sharp. Today. It was not a clip on tie. Okay, <laughs> I'll have you know, I tied sharp. that damn tie. My, wait, you think it's a clip on because of how nicely it was? No, no, you, no. It's because of you. Uh, that's because a compliment. Of because of you. It was tied up so nice that you're like, it's got to be a clip on. There's no way he tied that himself. I think it's more the still person wear, wearing the tie still gives it away. Got it. Still got it. All right. We're going to run out of time here. We're going to go to a break right now. Freddie's going to give you the update on all the scores, Habs, everything going on in the sports world. Stay with us. But now, like I promised, our hockey half hour. Uh, right now, we're going to have on Andrew Berkshire. He's a contributor to almost everything you could think of. I swear, if you look hard enough anywhere, you will find this guy. That's how much content he puts out. Sportsnet, RDS. He's got his own podcast. You should definitely check it out. It's always good. It's always a good listen. Uh, it's at Andrew Berkshire on Twitter. Andrew, are you there? Yep, I am. How you guys doing? I'm doing so great. great. No, no Elliot tonight, though, so I'm hosting. Freddie's uh, my co-anchor, my co-host, 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 whatever you want to call it. But uh, it was looking good for Montreal. Uh, it's tied 1-1 now, but again, lots of time left. Just to get into this quickly, all the talk the last 24 hours, or actually 48 since the last game, was Radulov and Pacioretty. They looked so good together last game. No denying that. Radulov only got two assists, but he pretty much caused all three goals. And the question now is, who do you play with them? Because Dano was with them that that game. Everything clicked. And now, do you play Galchenyuk on his own? Try to give him his own line? Or do you think that was one game, let's kind of slow it down, and, and maybe Galchenyuk still needs to be on that first line? Well, I think, you know, ultimately it's very tempting to put together a top line with Galchenyuk, Pacioretty, and Radulov because it's a line that very few teams in the NHL could match up with, uh, especially when they're at their best. But even on average games, like, you're talking about a line that, because all three players are so good offensively, it's equivalent to some of the best lines in, in the game right mm-hmm. now. But the other thing is, Tarion has mentioned several times, especially in the last couple of days, that he's realized the importance of scoring depth. So I wonder if the Canadians go back to an old duo that has done a lot of damage over the last several years in Alex Gatchenyuk and Brendan Gallagher. And if those guys can get together and uh, you know play the way they've played together in the past, then I think the Canadians are fine sticking with uh, Philippe Deneau on that top line. He's proved that he can keep up with those players in terms of uh, style of play and, you know, pace of play as well. So as far as they're concerned, they have no problem with that line. Why tinker with something that already works? And look, I I think eventually we all know Terry is going to change. I played a clip earlier. He, like he said, he needs results. uh, So it's, it's just for, for now, but it's always interesting to see that Nikita Nesterov acquired last week. He obviously made some fans tonight scoring in his second game. It's only his fourth of the year. I don't think, you know, we're going to get used to seeing him score all the time. It's not like that's there, but you're seeing some bright spots. What do you make of his game and where do you really see him fitting in in this Habs lineup? Well, for right now, he's probably best as a third-pairing defender. And, you know, he, right now he's also playing on his offside with Andre Markov. So 
we have to take uh, his results with a grain of salt. If he, you know, struggles a little bit, it's not his natural side. Uh, that's something that Michel Therrien has been hesitant to do with players for the most part over the last several years. Uh, Mark Barbario has played his offside a little bit. Alexi Emelin has played his offside a little bit. And, you know, it's never been something that lasts. So I think that most likely Nesterov is going to be the guy that they build their third pairing around going forward. And you, when everybody's, you know, back up to speed, when Markov is ready to play the big minutes and Jeff Petrie's consistently in the lineup, then you'll see the, the pairing, the top four that we saw around, uh, like November with uh, Petrie and Markov together and Emelin and Weber together. And Nesterov is with whoever fits on that bottom pairing at the time the Michel Therrien draws names out of a hat. I, I guess that'd be Nathan Beaulieu, but uh, it could be Greg Pattern as well. They don't seem to trust Beaulieu on a consistent basis. They're putting a lot of minutes on him right now, but it, it seems like that could disappear at any time. Andrew, Freddie here. Uh, you published an article today on sportsnet.ca that discusses three players who you think will have a bounce-back half season, last half season. And those players were Gallagher, Bergeron, and Goudreau. Is there anyone else we should expect to see uh, who will have ma- major influences on their teams outside of those three in your article? Oh, that's tough. Uh, I went through, I, one of the guys that I looked at was Ryan Nugent Hopkins in Edmonton because he's been so unbelievably snake bit this year. He doesn't have the offensive power that those guys do, but he does have the potential to put up a lot of points. And the only question I have with him is how much damage to his offensive game has been done by all those injuries the first few years of his career. You know, he's had uh, shoulder surgeries and he's been out with knee injuries and it's just a lot to deal with, and I wonder if he's at a stage right now where either his career arc is going to be altered or he just needs more games to, like, get back to what he used to be. You know, we saw with uh, Patrice Bergeron after his concussions that it took him over a full season to get back to the player that he was when he was just a kid, and now he's one of the best two-way players to ever play the game. So it might be something like that for Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Another one is Andy Kopitar. He's had an abysmal offensive season, and luckily for the, the Kings, Jeff Carter's had one of the best seasons of his career to compensate a little bit. But they're a team that has made Peter Budai look like a good starting goaltender with their defensive play, and they're still outside the playoffs. So if Kopitar can have a good second half, mm-hmm. that makes all the difference in the world for them. Right. I agree with those. And, and look, before we, we move on from that, obviously in there, uh, you had three guys mentioned. Montreal fans obviously want to know about Brendan Gallagher. They can clearly go go check out the article, uh, which I advise them to before you came on. But but what about his game? Uh, we've seen him be so consistent through the years with Montreal, right? Even when things are going bad, he's the guy you put on the line to get it going. No matter what it is, it didn't matter if it had Gallagher in it, it was going to work. Uh, do you, what do you think really went wrong at the beginning of the season? Well, a lot of it is, is simply that he didn't get a lot of ice time in the high-leverage situations that he usually does. Uh, some of those offensive situations were taken by Alex Radulov. Some were taken by Andrew Shaw, which is not exactly a defensible idea. But, you know, you've seen his power play time drop. And the other thing is his shooting percentage has just been in the gutter. And it's not for lack of trying. He's got career highs in shot attempts, career highs in scoring chances per minute. You know, everything that you would expect to lead towards goal success, he's doing it. He's shooting from the same areas of the ice as usual, right in front of the net there. But it just hasn't been going in for him. And, 
you know, that's something that over short term, over short terms can happen. Uh, it hasn't happened to him outside of, uh, if you remember in the playoffs a couple of years ago, he was getting tons of shots and he couldn't get a, a goal to go in for him. But, you know, it is just something that you can't control. Max Pacioretty had it earlier this season where he was getting tons of chances and nothing was going in and then he exploded. And I think when Gallagher comes back, it's likely that you'll see that kind of thing too. Andrew, with uh, with Mark Barbario being claimed off waivers by the Avalanche, what kind of what kind of player has the Canadians organizations lost? Well, they, they've lost a guy who's very high risk and very high reward. Uh, Barbario is a very high event player. He loves to make plays with the puck, but he turns it over a ton. So he's a huge offensive boost and a huge defensive risk. Now this year he has calmed down a little bit of that risk by. Uh, making safer plays in the defensive zone. So you can see, like, compared to last year, his goals against and his chances against have dropped considerably. But he makes those dangerous plays in the offense of a neutral zone that, you know, he does turn the puck over more than your average defenseman. But on aggregate, the plays that he's making have a positive influence. So uh, specifically when he played with Zach Redman, the Canadian's third pairing was a huge reason why they were able to get over those uh, all those injuries that they had. That third pairing was uh, on the ice for 75%, or while they were on the ice, the Canadians were getting 75% of all goals scored at even strength, which is crazy for a third pairing. They were just dominating teams. So that, that's the kind of the players that they've lost. Uh, Nesterov is probably a good replacement, a little bit different style, a little bit more rugged. Uh, Barbario's big problems were you know, not being able to win the puck back when he does lose it, but it, whether or not it's an upgrade, not sure yet. Uh, Nesterov has more potential to grow, though, and I think that's the big thing. And and look, I know you're a big advanced stats guy. You pay attention to kind of everything in in that sense. On the Habs, now, it's not a number that I've heard tossed around, right? Last year, when things go bad, everybody talks about it. When things are going good, it doesn't really get brought up, right? Because people aren't complaining, the Habs are winning. No one really seems to be playing that bad. But when you look at the advanced stats, who's one guy who really stands out in a good way? And who's maybe somebody this year whose numbers are a little lower uh, than, than people might expect? Well, I think the, the guy that stands out most in terms of... Uh, you know, statistics and analytics would be Jeff Petrie. Uh, he, he's a guy that every time he's on the ice, he's making a big difference, whether it's defensively or offensively. He's been supremely underrated. He's also uh, the leader on the Canadiens' defense in uh, primary points, which doesn't count your secondary assists, just goals and primary assists. He's been incredible all season long. In terms of bad you know, the, I think one of the reasons why the Canadians are having so much success this season is because they don't have any players that are huge drags anymore. You know, you don't have your Manny Malhotra, who when you're on the ice, you're getting outshot, you know, five shots for every one you get. It's not like that anymore. But they do have some inefficiencies, like, you know, Brian Flynn and Jacob Delarose aren't big offensive pushers. They're one-dimensional players. Whereas if you were to play Daniel Carr and Sven Androgetto instead, you probably have a lot better fourth line. I always appreciate the input. And by the way, I, I, I did the Sportsnet Central thing with Elias today the first time. When you went, did you get the memo that jeans were cool to wear? You were allowed? No, I did not. <laughs> I was so... I'm wearing dress pants in there, and I, I look like I'm going to a wedding. Everybody else is, you know, business chic, whatever you want to call it, looking cool in their jeans. 
Man, I, I felt out of place. I felt like I didn't get the memo. <laughs> yeah, that could happen. <laughs> but thank you, though, Andrew. Thanks. Always, always fun having you on. Always informative. And uh, keep doing what you're doing, because like I said, every time I listen to the podcast, I don't leave disappointed. Oh, thanks, guys. And uh, it's a pleasure being on. Thanks a lot. That's Andrew Berkshire. Like I said, if you haven't already followed him, make sure you go ahead and do so. At Andrew Berkshire, B-E-R-K-S-H-I-R-E. Not just a pretty face, Grant Robinson. I can spell as well. Not just a pretty face. But I am. Hey, today I proved not just a face for radio. Why am I holding two pens? How'd I end up with two pens in my hand? That's what, that's I'm just a gatherer. Life's little I'm mysteries. A gatherer, life's you know? little mysteries. But uh, that'll do it for this segment. We'll be back. When we come back, we'll hopefully have Ryan Dixon on with us. You know what? Got to give people what they want, man. We can't go to break. Spot canceled. Forget the spot. Spot, you are out. We don't even need the spot. Done. All right. That was, um, look, I... Uh, I'm curious to know now that with with um, um, Barbario out, Nestrov's in. How does that change the other depth of of Habs defensemen? And uh, it's something I maybe should have asked Andrew, but uh, their depth has now changed in terms of who on the depth chart is is the one you know moving up. No, it's a good question. And look, right. I mean, I, I know we would have had more time, but we we do have to move on. But that we don't even have to go to break. That's how quick we are here, Ryan Dixon is on the line. Do you see how that works? That's how we get it. He's coming on. For those of you that don't know, he writes for Sportsnet Magazine. Again, always informative. Uh, Ryan, are you there? I am here. I'm going to turn off Eye of the Tiger now. I apologize for that. That was <laughs> Montre- Montreal's... Ooh, I love that answer, by the way. But Montreal's in Philadelphia. You know, I was like, what's a Philadelphia song? You got to go Rocky. Grant has been running up and down stairs <laughs> like Rocky all, all evening. Uh, but it was a great intro with you saying never to turn that down. I uh, love it. But thank you for coming on, first of all. I read your article uh, earlier today, actually, on on my team, the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, against the Dallas Stars. And let's be honest, it was not the prettiest game uh, for the Maple Leafs. I think it kind of brought some people back down to earth, realizing, you know, things look good, but they're not perfect yet. And some of the weaknesses were exposed. Uh, what did you make of that game, uh, Dallas versus Toronto? Yeah, I mean, the Leafs obviously buried themselves. You saw, um, it sounds like Morgan Riley's going to play tonight, but, um, you know, without Riley in the lineup, they needed, uh, someone or, or a few people to step up. Uh, obviously defense is still where I think the, the one big question mark is when it comes to the Leafs. And, uh, instead they, they went the other way. Jake Gardner, who's been, uh, you know, really taking a step forward, I think, in the eyes of a lot of people this year. He had a bit of a rough one. Um, you know, they're just, uh, that, that defense core can't, uh, afford to lose Riley. Um, so definitely they, they got themselves in a hole quick and it's, you know, it's always hard to judge a game when all of a sudden you've got a wonky 5-1 score after, after one period. So, I mean, you, you would certainly hope the Leafs would make a big pushback when you've got yourself down like that. And they did. But I have to say, I mean, for the final 40 minutes, it was basically the Leafs skating around the star zone. And, uh, I mean, obviously Dallas is probably about as loose as it gets uh, on the back end themselves. So uh, a team you can certainly score some goals on. But I think fans were sort of excited to see at last Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner play the, uh, a chunk of a game together. I mean, the, the story of the Leafs is going to be how tight they can play because they're going to be able to generate chances 
and goals. They they just have too much up front to to not be able to get some offense. It's just going to be a question of you know these uh, these young guys up front and on the back end who are still learning the uh, the entire two hundred foot game, as they say. That's going to be. Uh, I think, you know, the the challenge in terms of exactly how good they can be this year. Long term, I'm sure they'll have no problem sorting it out. Uh, but how will they do this year um, trying to, you know, trying to be uh, a tight, complete team with a, with a defense core that, you know, there are still some question marks. Um, but luckily for them, Freddie Anderson, after the first, you know, couple weeks of the season, No, he's he's been great. I agree he's with that. He's been great. Yeah, yeah. So to take it back to the Dallas game, what did I think? It was entertaining. That's what it really <laughs> was, uh, because we saw all kinds of goals. And and even though Dallas was up big for portions of it, it kind of never really felt like the Leafs were fully out of it until you know basically down to the end. And, and look, I watched that the rest of that game, and, and look, I understand that Dallas was up, so maybe they sat back. But you mentioned it when you were talking. Toronto was all over them. Uh, it was it was almost a shooting gallery just. Nothing would go in. They finally get one in. Uh, was not a pretty goal by any means. I still. It took me 17 times watching the replay to realize how it went in. But Nikita Soshnikov gets shoved from behind. It hits his skate. Hits the goalie's stick, which moves the puck in. Uh, now I understand that it would not have changed the game. Let's be honest. So it's not a complaint. But what is going on with NHL replay or almost any sport where? How can I watch it in slow motion, be able to see everything, and still have no clue what they're going to call? Because there's kind of zero consistency when it comes to that, I find. Yeah, I mean, I think what it is is a lot of times we as fans or media members even aren't instantly clear on the letter of the law. And it sounds like by the letter of the law, they did call that one correctly because even though Soshnikov didn't, it would, it, we, the ruling was that it was, basically it had to do with a kick, and we were like, well, he didn't kick the puck, but we learned, or at least I learned, you, if you kick any part of the goalie's equipment, then that, too, can negate the goal. So in fairness to the NHL and other leagues, I think sometimes – I don't always think it's a case of inconsistency. It's just that – we don't know exactly what the rules are. And then let's face it, even when we do, sometimes we think, well, that's dumb. I mean, the first thing that springs to my mind is the plays we've seen in the NFL, the, you know, great catches and someone gets up and we're like, you know, that was an amazing touchdown. And we hear, oh, well, they didn't fully complete the motion of catching the ball. And you're like, well, okay, I guess I understand technically what you're talking about. But the spirit of, you know, like what a catch is, like the guy caught, the guy, he caught the ball. We saw uh, the Des Bryant play a couple of years ago in the playoffs and, uh, and Calvin Johnson going back a few years in a regular season game. Plays like that where even when the rule is called correctly, we're kind of left sitting back going, well, that's dumb. And I think sometimes the same thing happens with goals. I had finally healed from the Des Bryant thing. You know, as a Cowboys <laughs> oh, fan, it had finally... You know it was a sore spot. Oh. Yeah, 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 it's okay, Ryan. I, I know you didn't mean to... Grant, Grant the bleeds wound, Cowboy Blue. Uh, okay, Ryan, okay. Uh, Freddie here. Just to switch things up a little bit, our colleague John Shannon noted that the NHL and NHLPA will meet with the uh, IAHF and IOC tomorrow in New York. What are your hopes that this meeting it will start the process of, of potentially getting 
a, a deal done for NHL players to, to go to the Olympics? You know, it's one of those things where I think no matter how bleak the news is, it's kind of like back when we were naive folks in the 2004-05 season that we wound up losing completely to the lockout. But all along, even when all the signs were pointing to, like, the whole season could go, you were like, you're going to find a way. You're going to find a way. And then, boom, it, it was gone. I don't think we'll actually believe that NHL players aren't going to the Olympics until Gary Bettman comes out and says, guess what, folks, we're not going. And, you know, I think the mitigating factor here is, as we all know, the players desperately want this. And some of them, like Alex Ovechkin, have been on record for years saying, well, I'm going. I don't care what the rest of you do, but I'm going. Um, And and his owner, Ted Leonsis, has stood behind him. Um, I understand that... Uh, there's a lot of owners that are at best tepid when it comes to Olympic participation and I even understand why but I just feel like you know when you factor in how much I mean you hear Connor McDavid saying he just can't imagine the NHL without or sorry the Olympics without the NHLers I mean he was born in 97 he has no memory at all of a of a time when that wasn't the, the preeminent best on best tournament uh, because it started in 98 obviously so I mean, I don't think we're going to get uh, anything tomorrow, concrete, or or even, you know, necessarily in the immediate future. I mean, they don't have too long, but I guess call me a sucker, but I'll I'll believe that they're going to find a way to make this happen until we actually get Batman coming out and saying, you know what, folks, we're not going this time. Ryan, I I totally agree. Um, for me, it's also a matter of expectation. The NHL and the IOC have created these expectations that this tournament every four years is going to happen, and uh, it'd be tough not to see that. And like in 2005, my naive, my naivete, uh, you know, was beaten down, <laughs> it was beaten out of me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hope it's. I hope it comes back. Uh, I think every hockey fan, uh, if there's no hockey at the Olympics, would completely change uh, the Winter Olympics. That's the only gold we're guaranteed. Like you know, I, I need that. I need that gold medal for Canada. Come on. Give it to us, NHL. It's going to be less guaranteed going forward, I think. I agree. I, that was uh, just cockiness. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> Trust me, I, I know that. I was just, I got to be confident, right? I got to pretend. If I talk to any Americans, we got to pretend we know sure. that we're going to win. Confident. E- even though we won in overtime, uh, zero, one nothing, you know, but uh, we were sure we were going to win. But, uh, no, look, Ryan, as always, very entertaining, I, and I, like I said, I really did. I watched the game, and the way you wrote about it, I, I, I can't write like that. Put it that way, I can speak. I cannot write. It's a skill that I don't have, so I appreciate it when I see it. And I picture you writing the article with this soundtrack on. By the way, that's what I picture. <laughs> Absolutely, you've you, you nailed it. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Thanks for giving us the time. Okay. Really appreciate it. Anytime, guys. Talk to you next week. Thanks. When somebody on this show says, don't turn it down, and I did, but I had to push stop, right? Well, we have to go. So we I gotta... had to go back. I had to put yeah. it back on for him. I just love his answer. Never. Never. You can't. And literally, <laughs> that was great. you were running around <laughs> prior to the show so pumped. So pumped. You had your hat on. I love on. how we're on Facebook Live so people know that that's not true. Before we hit play, it. before we hit play, <laughs> okay. you were running around, little cute beads of sweat uh, in your track pants. Very lovely. I, I really do appreciate it. By the way, just before we go to break, you know what's a weird moment when you get a text I told you yesterday I was going for a wedding uh, not a rehearsal but you to try the food my buddy's out in Edmonton right right Rooster, he goes when you get a text from your best friend that says say my name on air bro 
You never want a text from a guy friend that says, say my name. It's just not something you want on the phone. You almost got blocked. It almost... Sadly, he's going to be disappointed. (laughs) So we'll be back when we do come back. Freddie's going to give you an update. First of all, let you know everything that's going on in the world of sports. And outside of that, when we come back, Daniel Kalis, he's always there for us when we need to break down something in the Super Bowl. And we're going to get into that right after the break. And we're back. The hockey half hour is done. That was a full half hour, by the way. We cheated a little bit. Didn't even hit yeah. some of those spots. Hey, when the guests are on, you know, when the you guests can't make are them good wait. And you the can't make them wait. Good. I roll out the red carpet. Yeah. If you're coming on the show, you know, you're you're coming right on. There's no hold time here. No, there's no hold time. Listen, the the, the, the all star game is over. The halfway point. We've tipped the halfway point to the to the halfway point. This is the second half of the season. This is where it, you know, as they say, as the you know the saying goes, it all. All the games matter now. By the way, I just realized I say there's no hold time, and because our board operator is so fast, he was already on hold, and I'm saying we don't keep people on hold while Daniel Kalis is on hold. I am so sorry. Daniel, you there? I'm right here, guys. What? Don't worry about it. I was enjoying listening to you. What am I saying, though? You know, I'm, I'm talking about we don't keep people on hold while you're sitting there. So rude. I apologize. Not the way I wanted to start it. Uh, but I am excited to talk Super Bowl with you. I'll be honest. Uh, we were actually, even this morning, when I was recording the, the thing for Sports and Central, I was talking about Super Bowl, and I, I was, while answering one of the questions, was thinking about how I can't wait to hear what you think about this because I know you're a Giants fan, so you're definitely not a Patriots hater because you love hearing about how good the Patriots are because you get to answer back with, yeah, I know, the only time he's been beaten the Super Bowl was my team. you got to love that, right? Uh, I, I do because i got a couple of friends uh, who are big Patriots fans. And, you know, They always like to talk about how they're a dynasty, and I, I think uh, they, they are, and I think that they're... I think we've lost Daniel here. You there, Daniel? He's not there. We might have to. We'll call him back. We'll call him back. We'll call him back. So what was your question again? Well, I was going to, that was just about, you know, how he felt about being a Giants fan, being able to say, you know, screw the Patriots, essentially. I, you know, well, I know how that is. Listen, when when you're rivals, I would, uh, I would be the same way. Well, yeah, and you get to say, because one of the questions we're going to ask him after is, you know, is Tom Brady one of the best of all time? Like, where does he rank, and and how good are the Patriots? And he's. I think the answer's already there. I think the answer is is finished. But a lot of people argue this. They argue. That's of course there, but I believe it's 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 been answered. Daniel, you back? Daniel, can't hear him. Okay, well, why don't we try that one more time, at least? Oh, uh, see, I heard the hang-up. It happens sometimes. We'll try it one more time. Okay, uh, we were saying, I think, I think the uh, the debate is over regarding regarding the best ever. The best I said ever. that today, and uh, it's Tom Brady. I'll play it after. You know what? Let it ring on there. It's okay. I'll answer. He's already yeah. been. Hey, Daniel, you're on there. There you go. We, I'm here. Yeah, yeah. We we we've already done it twice. We're good. All right, you're back. Now we're good. So you're a Giants fan, yada, yada, yada. We, we, we won't spend too much time on that before me and you get into it. Uh, but what I was bringing that up for was to say the Patriots, as much as people hate them, you know, it's time we, even the biggest haters kind of have to take a step back, look at what they've done and realize, like, wait a minute, you know, I, I might not like them, but... If, if you bring up greatest dynasties of all time, I know it's hard to compare uh, generations and stuff like that, but 
teams have won. Uh, look, the Steelers have won six, right? That wasn't one dynasty. This is one team we're talking about now over 16 years that's made the Super Bowl seven times in 16 years. The most any team has made a Super Bowl in history is eight. That's this, well, outside of the Patriots, sorry, is eight with the Steelers. They're one away from being the best franchise in history. And this, we're talking about just a 16 year period with one quarterback and one coach. And if they win, this one with five, they'll have the second most Super Bowls. Like, how incredible is that? And in your mind, does that make them the top dynasty, or or, or do you see somebody else being that? Well, first, let, let's also mention your Cowboys and the Broncos also at eight appearances. Don't want to, you know, slight them at all. Um, I'll tell you why I do think that they are the, the, the greatest dynasty, because as you said, most of the other ones that we talked about, whether it's the Steelers, the Cowboys, the, the Broncos with their eight appearances, they're stretched out over a much longer period of time, whereas, yes, the Broncos had one, uh, sorry, the, the Patriots had one appearance in the 80s where they got killed by the, by the, uh, by the Bears, and then they, they lost in, in, the, in the 90s. But this has been, you know, such a consistent thing, and what's crazy to me about it is, is that, you know, when you look at the other players in league history who have the most Super Bowl rings, there's like, you know, a group of them. You've got a whole bunch of guys from, from the Pittsburgh Steelers here in the 70s, and you have a whole bunch of guys from the, from the 49ers that all played together. So they were much more, you know, like a much more of a team, whereas it's only Brady who's got this many rings from the Patriots. He's played with a completely different style team, different players throughout. So I think that's what's amazing about it. They changed throughout this this. This run that they've had, it's not just that they've had the same team. They've had totally different players, different styles of playing, and they continue to win. I find it unbelievable, to be honest. I kind of agree with that. And look, I'll even say this. Tom Brady at the beginning of his career, and hear me out because I'm not insulting your quarterback when I say this, but he was more of a, and I won't even say Eli, he was more of a Big Ben and Eli at, the, at those early points in their careers where they weren't necessarily, you know, the top quarterbacks when they won. They just, they found ways to win. And Brady wasn't even on Eli's level, actually. When he won, it was the defense. He was a good game manager. Uh, he was almost like an Alex Smith at that point in his career. And then all of a sudden, Tom Brady becomes this guy who's throwing 50 touchdowns and every year he's leading the league in touchdowns and last year this is the stat that like anybody who insults him 14 and a half touchdowns for every interception he threw like is this guy I know you talked about the Patriots sound do you consider him the greatest of all time or, or where is he on that list for you I'm you know obviously everyone likes to talk about it we all love sports we're always going to have that debate Personally, I'm not the, I feel like it's very hard to ever really give someone and say, yes, you're right or wrong about someone being the greatest because with different errors, different style of plays, different everything, I think it's hard to judge. That being said, you know, some guys, if you want to say the greatest, you talk about stats. Some guys want to talk about rings. To me, like you said, the way you described it, he's, he's done it all. He's, he's got the rings. He's got the Super Bowl appearances, but he's also had the stats. It's not like he's a, and I'm not knocking him because I thought Troy Aikman was amazing, but if, if you look back at his career, he never had huge stats. But he won, and it didn't matter. He was great, and he's a Hall of Famer, and there's nothing to take away from him. But Brady's got all the stats, and he's got all the rings, and such a prolonged period. I mean, this year, like you said, he had 14 and a half touchdowns for every interception at 39 years old. I mean, it, it, and, and let's be honest, we all like some of their players. They're, uh, you know, we would all take an Edelman on our team. Yes, Gronk is great, but he was injured. But it's not like in most of the other receivers. They're stud guys that they have. They don't have Hall of Famers like a Jerry Rice, and he does it. 
all the time with different running backs, different receivers. It, it's, I find it very impressive. He puts up big numbers. Uh, you know, if you ask me, yeah, I always, I always would pick him over when the debate was him or Manning. I go Brady, and I think Brady is arguably the best quarterback of all time. Win I, or lose, I don't think it matters. I, I agree with you there because it's just one more, right? It, it's kind of like the LeBron argument. You know, he might have lost a bunch of finals, but to make it there is incredible. We talk about the Buffalo Bills and how great they were back then. They went to four and lost all four. So uh, I, I see it there. Last thing I'll say about uh, about Tom Brady here, when you look at their team, the Patriots, out of all the years, okay, that we're talking these 16 years, how many Hall of Famers are out of this dynasty. Randy Moss will make the Hall of Fame. He's not going in as a Patriot. He, did, he was there one year. Ty Law, maybe, maybe is a borderline one. But offensively, Gronkowski is the only guy that played for the Patriots that has a shot at it, and he better play a lot longer and get healthier if he wants that. Every other dynasty you mentioned before, the Cowboys, five of those guys are in the Hall of Fame. Irvin, uh, you got uh, Michael Irvin, sorry, Emmett Smith, Troy Aikman. You had the O-line. You have, you know what I mean, Deion Sanders. And then the Niners had, I think, six. The Steelers had ten. This Patriots team is potentially two, and it's Brady and Belichick. That's, to me, it, it proves everything there. Uh, but enough about the Patriots. Julio Jones, on the other side, is the guy who should be getting the the accolades. Um, you know, you have Matt Ryan, who's potential MVP. I think you agreed that uh, Matt Ryan would probably have your MVP vote, right, at the end of the season? I, 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 see, I, I, I struggle with where to put the Brady situation with the fact that he missed four games because he still ended up with 29 touchdowns and only... Only two interceptions, and and uh, you know, to me that that was like so. I, I was I struggled with with the idea of you know if I'm going to vote for a guy who missed four games versus a guy who played the entire season. And uh, that's but fair. Matt that's Ryan fair. definitely put up some ridiculous numbers, uh, and it didn't matter. Look, Julio's arguably the best, one of the best top three receivers in the league, but he put it up with everyone all season. I mean, he, he was hitting on all cylinders with all of his players, all his receivers, his running back. Uh, you know, that's the reason they were the number one offense, you know, the most, uh, sorry, highest scoring offense in the league. And the other thing, too, about Julio Jones, everybody, I, look, I still say the best receiver in the NFL. I'm just talking, like, all-around stats. So I'm counting receptions, I'm counting yards, touchdowns, everything. I still go Antonio Brown. I think he does more on the football field in that sense, but he's Brown is like a mix of a number one and a slot guy, right? He does the short patterns, he does some long ones. Julio Jones is that like that that number one receiver you want, the big tall body. Uh, he's he's kind of a mix of Terrell Owens and Randy Moss. You know, he's got Randy Moss's length and speed, but he's big. He he's kind of a beast. We saw it uh, with the stiff arms uh, two weeks ago. This guy has ninety six yards per game in his career. The only other person close is your favorite receiver, Odell Beckham Jr. He hasn't done it as long, but if he continues, he'll be there. Guys other than those two, they're at 96 and 95 point something. Nobody else is over 86 yards per game in a career. Like, that's 10 yards more. That's insane when you look at how, how much this is. Like, do you think if he stays healthy, Julio Jones can end up being one of the greatest of all time? I think he's got the skills to do it, and and as long as it's also his health, along with with Matt Ryan's health, you always need that you know the quarterback to do it. But yeah, I agree with your honestly, I agree fully with your assessment. Is like even though I, I love Beckham, uh, I would probably say that yes, Brown just has all the tools to be the number one guy because he just everything he does, he does it right. There's nothing that he has no weakness. Not that the other guys don't, but the Beckhams and the Julio Jones are just physically 
more gifted in terms of what they can do in terms of Julio, especially with his strength and the fact these guys have more speed and all that. But he's he's he really has everything because he's so much stronger than the other guys. Like you said, he's like the strength of the Terrell Owens. We saw like when he just you know push those guys to the ground, or he goes up and gets the ball. He, he's, he's a complete beast. So if he stays healthy and Matt Ryan stays healthy, which the bigger problem has been him staying healthy, but if he does, yeah, he's going to put up some career numbers because every year that offense is playing well, and they play in a, in, a, in a division that doesn't have great defenses, so I don't see a reason why that's going to stop anytime soon. Daniel, Freddie here. Uh, obviously, tomorrow hey, we'll, we'll, we'll talk uh, and dissect the game as we see it uh, progressing on Sunday. But I want to know your opinion on where you think Tony Romo will end up at the end of the season. Earlier today, we, we spoke, uh, Grant and I, about Garoppolo. But where do you see Romo ending up this offseason? And before you answer that, I know the Giants have a quarterback who's, you know, on the decline. They might need one. You know, I know you, <laughs> I'm just answering. Go ahead. You can answer his question. Um, it's an interesting question because I think, you know, the teams that are going to be looking for quarterbacks, you're going to have two different kinds of teams. Okay. So you'll have like the Cleveland Browns who are looking for the young quarterback that they're building for the future. That's why they're either going to look for someone in the draft or supposedly this, as the talk goes around is that they're very interested in Garoppolo. Uh, I'll be very interested to see how, how Belichick can fleece them for, for that trade. Um, and a team that's going to be looking at a Romo is more a team that's ready to win next year, hoping he can stay upright for the entire season. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about Denver, and it really makes a lot of sense because I don't think Paxton Lynch is, is ready yet. Um, and to be honest, if I were them, I would try to get Romo, and then I would try to flip Trevor Simeon to someone else and see what you can get for him uh, and, and hope Romo stays up for the year. But people are going to be hesitant to give up a lot because I know the Cowboys don't really want to uh, keep him, so maybe some teams are going to wait to... Um, Till he's released. Another team that would be interested, I would think, would be the Jets. Uh, but again, it's, it, I think some teams are going to wait. You know, the Jets are also a team that would want uh, Garoppolo. I think they're a team that's more in the middle of, they're not sure where they are. Are they a competitor? Are they not a competitor? Um, the 49ers are going to be interested in the quarterback. Who knows what they're going to do there? Um, but I think it's going to be a wait and see. He's not going to be the first option for a lot of teams. And I don't think Denver, who everyone thinks he's going to, while they might like him, I don't think they're going to jump for it. There's talk of the Texans, but they owe Brock Osweiler so much money. I don't see that. I see them drafting someone who's going to be cheap and hoping that they can groom him. Uh, so I think it's going to be interesting, but I would take a chance on him. I would hope it's a Peyton Manning situation. He, who, you know, he stays upright and he can take a team, you know, into the playoffs. He hasn't proven in the playoffs, but, you know, not many guys have. Okay. Um... Do you think, what do you think it would take to get a Romo or Garoppolo? What would you be willing to give up? Well, I, I think, you know, a lot of people are going to be going on what Bradford cost, which was a one and a four last year, but that was a different situation where Minnesota was trying to compete and it was very last minute type of a thing. Uh, for Garoppolo, I think that Belichick, if it's with Cleveland, he won't get the number one overall pick, but I could see them giving him the number 12 overall pick. But more likely, we're looking at what Alex Smith uh, was got for, which I'm pretty sure was a two and a three. So I think that's what you can get for a Garoppolo. For a Romo, I think you're looking more at a four. I don't think you're going to get much higher. If you can, that's great. I just, you know, the guy's still got a big contract, and he's got all the injury concerns. Uh, Garoppolo's got a longer future, but he's still a question mark. He's playing two games. They look great, but they're two games on the Patriots. <laughs> you were talking about trade value just now. Look, I'm going to ask you one more question here. i got to get this in. Uh, I played a clip yesterday on last night's show from First Take, 
and Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman were talking about, you know, Rob Gronkowski, and if the Patriots win without him, it's got to be time to move on. Yeah. And look, I understand what they're saying. He he gets hurt a lot. He plays a physical game, okay? And uh, yes, he played 15 games the last few years. And with Tom Brady, you don't need him to play all 16, right? If you can have this guy for the playoffs, it's not the NHL where you give up a star and you get a ton. Like you just said, Alex Smith got you a second and a third, and that's a lot. Like, Randy Moss was, what, a six-round pick, I think he got? Do you think it'd be smart for the Patriots to try to move him, or do you think that's ridiculous and they should keep him and just hope he gets healthy? Uh, I, I, look, you know, Belichick's always been the king of getting rid of guys, usually one year earlier than, than, than they should. We've seen it with a number of guys. I don't think that Gronk is in that same situation. Uh, like you said, I think while well, we all know that he does have injury concerns, he did play 15 the last two games. Uh, and in terms of uh, tight end money, while he does make a fair salary, he, he still, he still uh, you know, makes a, not as high a salary as some of the other tight, uh, tight ends who, you know, re-up like a Jimmy Graham. So they have him at a pretty decent salary. So I think next year he's coming back for sure. And then after that, they'll see. You know, if he plays a full season, he's healthy. I guess they'll see what they're going to do with the contract or not. Uh, and if and if he's injured, I think that won't matter at all. But I think next year you're going to see him back on a team. You just ended perfectly with the song, by the way. That wasn't even planned. Oh, my goodness. It that was, was hoped beautiful. For. It was Did hoped for, but that, not planned. Daniel? Oh, that was just, man, we're on the same page. That was beautiful. Who Love you, it. Who you got Good to win, by the way? That was my guess. I I wanted to say you were going to go Atlanta all day. I felt like you were an Atlanta guy, and then for some reason, I feel like you're a purist and you're going New England in the game. You could yeah, switch by I'm tomorrow. Going New England. You, you're I go going defense New England? first. I, I, I thought so, and, and not in a bad way. I'm so torn with this game. Look, we're going to talk about that more tomorrow, obviously, and really get into it. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And one game left, uh, but I think we can agree what a season this was uh, in the NFL. And honestly, look, you've been with us from beginning to end. So I, I really do appreciate it, Daniel, and thanks, thanks for coming on, man. My pleasure. It's been awesome, honestly, talking to you guys. I love talking football. You guys know what you're talking about, and so it's been a blast for me to do it. And I uh, look forward to... Uh, Getting down and dirty on the game tomorrow night. <laughs> All right. Thanks, All right, David. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Later, guys. Have a good one. That was Daniel Kalis breaking down the Super Bowl with us. We're going to take a quick, quick break, and we'll be right back with some of the Sportsnet Central from today. You're listening to Sportsnet Tonight with Elliot Price and Grant Robinson. All right, and we're back now. Again, I told you we were going to play it instead of just going in cold. Uh, here is today. It's a clip from Sportsnet Central Montreal. Uh, Elias Makos asked me to come on, fill in for Elliot. It was me. Uh, they had uh, the new assistant GM from the Alouettes on oh, before okay. us, oh. Catherine Reich. Uh, we won't have that right now. But me, Derek Fage, uh, Anakin Slade, who most of you will know from, from the songs he wrote there for Expos and Habs. Yeah. And also we had on Derek O'Coin, who was about, looked like he must have been seven feet tall, the uh, ex-Expo. <laughs> I'm glad they gave me a tall stool so I didn't look too bad. Uh, but here's that. We're talking about the Super Bowl, and we kind of discussed this with... Uh, Daniel Kalis just before, and that's why it's fitting now, is you know where Tom Brady stands. Well, more where the Patriots stand and, and what we think about the Super Bowl and the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, so here's that. After that, we'll take a quick break. We'll go right into the update, and then me and Freddie will go on and talk about whatever we feel like at the time. That's pretty much how this is going to go down. All right, we're at that portion of this show where smug Patriots fans get to gloat. Let's talk about the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 51, the Patriots, the Falcons. Uh, let's break this down. Before we get into Tom Brady, uh, let's talk about Matt Ryan, a guy that has been with the Falcons for a long time, had v a lot of success. But, you know, the three previous seasons, bit, uh, stinkers for the Falcons, yes. and he's brought them back 
to this level. Well, let's break this down. Super Bowl 51. I've followed Matt Ryan his entire career. Boston College, great quarterback. He came out. He was a winner. He had this nickname, Matty Ice, which I still think nobody knows where it comes from. <laughs> no idea. He had, he's been good, but he's never been elite. Like He's had some great fantasy seasons. He's kind of like Phillip Rivers. Then they both yeah. went down, yeah. and then they both came back up. But Matt Ryan now Super Bowl. You look at what he's done. I used to call Matty Ice cold. You know, like yeah. I didn't think it was good. Yeah. I can't say anything bad about the guy. To me, he is the MVP of this season if you look at what he's done. All season, he did it without Julio Jones. Some games they ran, some games they didn't. He has been unstoppable with that offense. You, you mentioned it right there, too, the running game. That dual threat of those two guys, I think, has opened up the passing game for Matt Ryan. I followed his whole career as well because I'm a Dolphins fan, and we haven't had a good quarterback <laughs> for 25 years. It's been driving me nuts, and we passed on him, and we passed on Aaron Rodgers. So every guy that they've passed on, I've been following, and Matt Ryan is my MVP for sure. And I think they have a good chance to win. I think they have a good chance to beat the Patriots. But if you had weekend. to pick an MVP for the history of the NFL, Tom Brady would be right up there. Yeah. Um, wh what are we looking at? Tom Brady, this is, this is, I mean, he's already cemented a legacy, right? He's going to be that. the greatest ever. And well, if he pulls this one off as well, a fifth in how many? Five, okay, so, so that's, it's a good question. Five and two or four and three? Yeah. He's still the best ever? Mm -hmm. I think so. Mm -hmm. Getting to yeah. seven Super Bowls and winning yeah. four of them. I, I, I Listen, I'm a Joe Montana fan as well. I know all four. He went to all four. He won all four. So you can make an argument that he was the best ever because he never lost in a Super Bowl. But boy, if you get to seven and you're over 500, I well, don't know. Well, Marino is your polar opposite of Brady, right? Absolutely. In the sense that he put up the statistics but never won. So it goes back to the argument is how important are championships when you look at who is the greatest, yeah. you know, athlete in his position. So that's, right, that's a great point because you can't just Pey win. Peyton Manning had a yeah. terrible Super Bowl yeah. last year and right. he won. And he and he and now he's, he's yeah. like one of the best ever because yeah. he won that Super Bowl. And right? as we look at the Patriots, you know, uh, it's been uh, 14 seasons in a row with 10 wins or yeah. more. Uh, you know, the NFL, we've had, you know, there was the Steelers, the Raiders, the 49ers, uh, Patriots, is is there a debate as to the greatest franchise of all time in the NFL? I don't think there is. You can always argue anything, and it's yeah. hard to say times and stuff like that. The yeah. Dallas Cowboys had a great run, the 49ers, the Steelers, yeah. but you look at this team right now, seven Super Bowl appearances in 16 years, that's more than every single franchise's history. Forget just Tom Brady and Bill Belichick being the best of our time. But that doesn't make them the best no, uh, franchise of all time. Makes them no, maybe the best no. team This is almost two decades they've done it, right? Most dynasties right. last oh, four or five incredible. years. Mm -hmm. We look at the Blackhawks in hockey right now. It's, it's a great run. But this is two decades. This is and look yeah. how they've done it. Yeah. Different yeah. wide receivers almost yep. every single year. Backs. No high draft picks. Belichick, too, deserves as much credit as Tom Brady. This guy trades down and trades down and trades down and trades down and gets great players. He doesn't do any huge free agent signings, and he's say, stayed that consistent for so many years. And nobody rocks the short sleeve hooded sweatshirt belly. Oh, man. I was Where's the belly? I was going to bring one in today, but I was told jacket. Okay, well, good, good. Uh, like the cheating stories, I mean, to win, you've got to cheat sometimes. That doesn't blemish anything for you guys? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, I, I'm, as a Dolphins fan, I'm not too happy about all those rumors, and, and maybe there's some truth to some of them, but did they change the direction of that franchise to where I, it is today? I don't necessarily. I love awkward situations, so as we look towards a, a, a Sunday, just think of that awkward situation yep. if the Patriots oh, win, yeah. and you've got the commissioner... And Robert Kraft, Kraft. Uh, this is going to be... I, 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 the only reason I want the Patriots to win is for that to happen. Yeah, sure. You're not alone. A lot of people <laughs> like that. And, 
Nat, Natty Ice is a beer. It's a cheap beer in the States, I think. Oh, it, so I think that's what uh, I wonder why I'm yeah. So he's a cheap quarterback? <laughs> no, 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 but Natty Ice, and Nat, Natty Ice is, a, I know it's but, a, some uh, cheap uh, okay, beer. Okay, I don't think it'll matter that awkward moment. I really don't think, Brady wants to win, Belichick wants to win, and Goodell, let's be honest, Gary Bettman's the commissioner, he comes he out and asks he to get it. He yeah. likes it. They don't care as long the as the owners smile. are making money. Yeah. They don't care. All right, last word on the Super Bowl right there. Uh, when we we're back. We, me and Freddie were actually discussing off air just now where we want to go with this. We have the free time right now. I can play the the hockey that I did today on the show, uh, but I'm going to be posting that anyways, right? So yeah. I don't want to just re- we replayed the Super Bowl. That was good. There was some good stuff. It was mostly about you know are the Canadians ready to compete right now with that team? Uh, they have or do they need to make a trade? With the Habs. But we've been talking about this, right? So maybe it's Montreal. We'll go- we talk Habs. That's I, what we I get do. It. So we might come back to this. Uh, the thing does say Habs, Habs, Habs afterwards. <laughs> we'll see. You know, I am the I'm the captain. You're now, the captain. You know, I want that audio clip right now, but I, I didn't save it. It's it's a shame. But that or I, I need complete silence. Uh, I need complete silence. You never saw Twenty Two Jump Street, have you? No. Which one? No, oh no, my no. God! With you the movie Twenty Two Jump the Street. The movie? Yes. The no. I saw you, the, the first book. one. What was Come the first on. one? Twenty four. Twenty one Jump Street. Yes, I saw the first, <laughs> the first one. one right? Twenty one Jump. Street. Yeah, I saw that one. You didn't, didn't see just... Twenty Two Jump Street. The opening wasn't it scene exactly is... like Twenty One Jump Street. Wasn't uh, wasn't uh, Terminator the same as Terminator no. Two? No. Come no. on, man. Yes. No, <laughs> Freddy. Friend, <laughs> I have had respect for a long time. You are going to watch 22 Jump Street because now my quote just went right over your head and now I just look like an a-hole. I was just looking at you and I was like, this is, this is wonderful. This show actually no, bleeps I've never, us itself. Did you hear that? I tried to swear and it said a-hole. Oh, it bleeps itself. That's how good 21st our producer century. is. That's what that is. But uh, we're going to do this quick because this is, look, I talked about how both times we've hosted. Uh, Montreal has lost now both and times. Or 2-0 or 0-2. And they don't lose often, right? This is a team that's winning well, games. You know what? They lost. Um, they they lost right before the All Star break. They they beat a Buffalo team the other night. That's not particularly good. And they lost now to a Philadelphia team that is you know not Philly's bad. up and down. They're, they're, they're not up and great. down. But again, I don't I find Montreal team, is that powerhouse team, right? You know, I think other teams look at them and even though they're in first, see them as a a game where they're good. But Montreal still needs a top six forward. Yeah, I agree. And during the playoffs, they had better have Carey Price playing what we expect to be Carey Price to play, which is which is a one goaltending, world outwardly goaltending. He needs to be that guy. But if they don't get a top six six forward, I don't think they're going they're going far. They're not they're not going far at all. They they've done it though, right? They they have Radulov now. They made it to the conference finals. We saw them. They didn't have Carey Price. Maybe they could have beat the Rangers. I just I do believe like you said two two years uh, ago. Pit, yeah. yeah. But you have Pittsburgh, Washington, like these teams have such talent. Like and depth. Yeah. And depth. Yeah, that's where it's I mean a third line of Benino Haglin and Kessel, like that is. Who, let's not forget was arguably was their, their line. best line yeah. at least through the first three playoff series last year. But that's not just a Montreal problem, right? That's an everybody problem. No doubt. It's not like they're not built. You to beat still got to get out of the yep. Eastern Conference I if agree. you want to win the power play. Even Ottawa is the, a good uh, team. Uh, Ottawa's playing good right now. Toronto's playing. I'm not like obviously Montreal's favorite against those two if they play them. But those aren't easy series. You know, those are series no. where those two teams. Well, actually, Montreal's been dominating when, uh, Toronto lately. When you, but when you when you play. When when you have Ottawa in town or Toronto, the kinds of emotions that's coming through, if Toronto should make it and if Ottawa should make it, I don't think those are gimmies. Those are not gimme, gimme playoff series. 
we've seen it in the past how, how Ottawa fights fights hard tooth and nail. Yeah, um, that's very uh, true. When when they play uh, the Canadians in the in in the playoffs and uh, and uh, you know, like we said a hundred times, like you've mentioned earlier today, Price has got two more years. Pacioretty's got two more years at the at, the, at great numbers. Right? How did you hear this? You listened? I listened last night. Man, look at Freddie, man. I, I'm sorry for calling you out like that. Well, I listened to the podcast yeah, yesterday. That is what and I said. And you're though. right. So this now is the time to go for it. Yeah. Right now. So uh, do you go after Duchesne? I say yes. I say yes. Because, and I think you mentioned it last night, there's no guarantee that that price or patch ready will stay and they're for sure not taking that kind and of deal and if they do yeah you're losing right. something else remember that so you you ha- you have that proverbial window they have the best goaltender in the league yep when he's uh, on his game look, when yes, he's on his yes, game fair. lately he's been I, I think they need to manage his play a little bit better down the stretch so he's fresh during the playoffs but they got arguably the best goaltender they got a good team that plays a system well they're fast they're not deep enough yet i think like i said they need a top 6 forward and then we'll see if they can get that top 6 forward uh then we'll see but are we talking about mortgaging our future well the future is now the future is now because in 2 years uh you know if you don't have price and patch ready there, I mean, what are we talking about? No, I, look, and it really comes down to they're going to have to decide what's worth it for them, right? It, does Bergevin want to be the guy who, yeah, maybe you trade a Sergachev and, and 10 years from now this guy's a top defenseman and your your fans are upset that you trade him. But if you trade him and get a guy that wins you a cup this year, uh, I don't care what anybody says. People say, well, people talk about uh, old Habs trades and even though they won cups. Back then, winning a cup wasn't huge. That was the norm for Montreal. Right now, it's been since 1993. It's not 67, but for I'm 30 years old. You know what I mean? They were, what, six when I... When uh, when they won, you know, or I was six years old. So anybody my age is hungry for a cup. Like, they don't know the Montreal Canadiens as Stanley Cup champions. They haven't got to see that. You win one right now, it doesn't matter what you do. The re- you get fired the next day, Bergevin will be loved here forever by, by my generation, even the other ones, for bringing it back. So do you want to be the guy who played it safe and yeah. maybe extends his job by a few more years and whatever. But if you waste Carey Price, this if you waste this window, yes. there's no guarantees going for it wins you one either, right? But this this team isn't rebuilding, Grant, right? This That's team what I'm isn't, saying. This team isn't rebuilding. So, what, it's in the, isn't so a guy that helps you three years from now. Re- yeah. Or Sergeyev, who will be, a, you know, may, remember, may be a mm-hmm. defenseman of note in four or five years. May. Shea Weber, too, is on the way down. No, I'm not talking about now, but I'm saying three well, years from he's now. He's getting on in age as yep. well. I, in, if I was Bergevin... Well, Empty the tank, I'm hoping, I'm hoping they go for it, because I think they have enough pieces in place with adding a little bit here and there, although adding a top six forward is a little more than that, mm-hmm. that they can at least make a run, but show the fans they're going for it. Look, eventually, with, with, with a salary cap, with contracts moving, um, uh, with Price and Pacioretty's contract up soon... The team will need to blow up eventually and rebuild. It's the nature of sports in a salary cap era. You're going to try to get to a peak, and you hope when you hit that peak that you have the talent yep. in place 
to 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 do what you can uh, by mortgaging so so called mortgaging the future to go for that cup, and then you got to start all over again. It's the way. It's an ebb and flow. You're not going to see many more of these Detroits that go for 22 years uh, or whatever it is, uh, making 25. the playoff. 25 years. 25. And most of those, they were cup contenders for a lot of those yeah. years. Uh, you're just not going to see that anymore. It's too hard, and uh, th- th- there's too much parity in the league. Uh, and with this bonus point, I don't even get started on that. Uh, it makes it very difficult to, um, to even make the playoffs. No, I, I agree. And, and look, I mean, this is a question that we're going to get answered very shortly, right? It's there's no question. You're going to have to make a choice, Bergerman. And it doesn't mean that just because you want to make a trade that there's one out there either, right? No, very You might true. have to overpay because teams know. It's not like teams don't know, hey, you have a window, right? And it doesn't mean, by the way, everybody says this, the Habs window is two years. It doesn't mean that they can't make moves that five years from now they're still a contender, right? Right. But right now, make barring any moves, you're a way worse team two years from now than you are today. Potentially. You're, well, with well, that's what I'm saying. If you don't make moves, you're going to have carry price that's more expensive, so you're going to have to lose something. Uh, Max Pacioretty, if you want to keep him, he's got, what, the third most goals uh, in the last four years in the NHL. Uh, as much as I don't love his game, I wish he used his size more. Guy's a stud when it comes to scoring goals, period. Yes. Period. There's, you can't say anything bad about that. Maybe he takes some games off. Most snipers do. Right when the puck goes in, they look good. It's the same shot whether the puck goes in or not. Right? It's few, just few players are hot for eighty-two games. Eighty-two games. I am in my in my Sunday night league. I'm. Uh, by the way, that's a lie. Again, I gotta mention <laughs> that's this. A lie. You on you look. You still have the TV makeup on. I see that. You're welcome. I see that. You're welcome. Your clip-on tie, <laughs> beautiful. Absolutely, and tomorrow you can catch. I believe tomorrow at eleven, 11 p.m. Eleven p.m. 11 p.m. I'm going to post the link too there, but uh, but yeah, live That's good TV clip on time. Cool. Yeah, live, is that your first time? Live TV, yes, yes. I don't usually talk about my first times on air, but uh, it was it was my first time. <laughs> it was nice. I'm not going to lie, I enjoyed it. It was fun. Uh, well done. Uh, no complaints here. It's something I definitely would like to do again. Elias Makos may have complaints, but none from no, you. No, actually, again, I mean, what's he going to say when I leave? Oh, that was uh, dog crap. Never come back again, you know? But uh, no, positive feedback for sure. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm not going to play the rest of it because, you know what, Freddie? We, we deserve some talking time. So we're going to go to a quick break here. Uh, and then when we come back, like I said, we're going to get into that because that McGregor Mayweather thing, me and you had talked about yeah. it a while ago okay and i said specifically i'm a big conor mcgregor fan i love the guy i'm a huge mayweather fan i've always liked him i said before if they fight there is no way no way that mcgregor doesn't get like just well let's talk about when we get back because uh the question you ask is if they fight but but when you say fight what what are we talking about here they're gonna well look i have a clip when we come back uh we're gonna come in straight to that after the break uh we'll play that clip and then we're going to discuss it uh, in the last segment of the show. Stay with us. You're listening to Sportsnet Tonight with Elliot Price. That fight was more than just being explored. That fight has been been in the works a, a while now. So we, it's look, there's a lot of steps to get through to get the fight done. But it's the it's the fight to make. It's a fight that people want. It's a fight I want. It's a fight I know I'm I'm confident going in there. I've got the reach. I've got the youth. I've got the confidence. I've got the unpredictable style. You can't prepare for a style like me. So, a guy said to me, why conquer one world when you can conquer two? So I'm going to go conquer two worlds. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's another, it's another day for me. Like, in all honesty, it's another day. I get a phone call. Hey, Connor, 
you're fighting a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. Okay. Hey, Connor, you're fighting a Taekwondo black belt. Okay. Hey, Connor, you're fighting a UFC world champion. Okay. Hey, Connor, you're fighting boxing's pound for pound number one. Okay. It's another day for me. I get a phone call. I get the style of the opponent, the way he fights, and then I prepare to fight him. So that's it. Could you make this fight without the UFC? Sorry? Could you make this fight without the UFC? I, be I, I mean, I believe so. With the, with the Ali Act, I believe I can. I believe if, especially now there's offers on the table. But I think it's smoother. We're all involved. Okay. I think we're all about good business. I've done great business with UFC, with Dana, with everyone. I think it's smoother if everyone just gets together, we get it involved. But again, everyone's got to know their place. So we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. What do you it. mean by that? Everyone has to know their place. I mean, everyone's got to know their place. What does that mean? It's not like... Who are you referring to? There's Mayweather promotions. There's the UFC. And now there's the newly formed McGregor promotions. Oh. And we're all in the mix. So, so that's Conor McGregor. I'm going to stop it just in case, you know. But uh, did you hear what he said there? And this is where he's transcended now. You hear what he said? First of all, what he say? Uh, things he mentioned in it, this fight is happening. Like, he's, his whole focus is on this. There's now offers from Dana White. He got offered $25 million. By the way, no UFC fighter in their career has made $25 million. You know how much who? Chuck Liddell made? $4 million. Wait a minute. He career. got offered $25 million from whom? Dana White said he'll give them each $25 million yeah. for the fight. That's not even, by the way, that's not even close. I agree. He's not going to box for $25 million. I'm just million? saying, it's already Maybe? there. That's UFC money coming in. Yeah. Once you have, but what McGregor said is, and he's ready, he, he goes on to say he's willing to sit out two years even if he has to. Because right now, man, $25 million, UFC fighters don't even make a million when they, well, yeah, he no, made it, right? I know that there's a move to try to get them uh, to unionize or to create an association. But he doesn't need that. No, He's no. talking about becoming almost a boxer. Where boxer, you go and why does Floyd Mayweather make so much money? Because Floyd Mayweather, Mayweather walks into that negotiating room by himself, no agent, knows that he's the only boxer in the world. Like Manny Pacquiao was great. But he wasn't the draw that Floyd Mayweather was. Maybe because people hate him, whatever it is. But when, when they fought, look at no before leading up. Look at the money he makes. That's because he knows how to sell himself, right? He knew how to. And there's nobody better in the world at that than McGregor. Here's my question. Okay, so say they do fight, and we know when we say fight, what we really mean is box. Yeah, they're gonna box. Okay. Because you know Floyd May Mayweather's not going to do uh, MMA. There's a clip where McGregor pretty much says, if yeah. we ever actually it's fought, be, uh, it'd be the be easiest fight of my life. And that I believe. Okay. I believe but if they fought, hold on, yes. Here's my question. So McGregor's not going to come in there and just overwhelm overwhelm Mayweather. Mayweather has too much savvy in the ring. Let's just let's play With it With the out. gloves, he knows how he to knows defend. How to do you think that in any way McGregor gets into a situation where he's on the defense and... You know, his MMA training sort of kicks in where he's going to grab or he's going to try to take someone yeah. down. And it's not his fault. I'm not saying he no, would do a trip or something. To, to, yeah, to, like, I agree. To cheat well, or he to probably whatever. There's a point on purpose. I, I actually uh, was listening to Joe Rogan's podcast and he said the same thing. They get in a clinch, you give him a quick takedown, right? Well, like you might lose a point. Something. You might lose a point, but it's whatever, right? The fight's not going to be over. And he has nothing to lose taking this fight. Now, I'm sure there's going to be something in the contract that says if you do something like that and embarrass Mayweather, right, you're not going to get your payday or something like that but I cannot believe that this fight is going to happen he goes on to talk about and say look uh, Mayweather and um, and Pacquiao was a half 
billion dollar fight. $500 million fight. Right. He was saying, look, this is two worlds colliding. All boxing fans are going to want to watch it. They're going to want to see, even if you think it's the stupidest fight in the world, and you think he's going to win. I agree. When I heard of this idea, I thought it was insane, and McGregor is just going to get worked like crazy, and it doesn't matter, but would I watch it? Yes. I'm buying that pay-per-view, or I'm going somewhere, I'm going to my buddy's house where they have it, but there's no way that I am not watching that fight. And they're the two... They're already, there's no fight. They're back and forth right now. Yeah. Has more publicity than whatever's happening at UFC 208 or 209. Nobody cares. Think about it. This isn't even a real fight right now, and it's already taking over. Listen, it's going to happen. Both Mayweather and, and McGregor are, at the very least, savvy business people. They yes. know how to, and salespeople. And they know how to sell themselves, and they know how to sell the fights they're in. So, so for sure, there's going to be a lot of hype. It's what, it's what, it's what, it's one of the things they both do well for their sports and for themselves within those sports. But I asked this question last time we spoke, we spoke of it. This fight, in my opinion, means more to McGregor than it does to Mayweather. McGregor has little, that, okay, so you're more in terms that, of money. Okay, yeah, more in absolutely. terms of this win or lose. Break. Win yeah, or yeah. lose. If he wins, amazing. If he loses, well, uh, it wasn't in his. Sport, I made so a hundred million. Let's say. Well, no he's problem. got his. He's got like if he wins, uh, amazing. If he loses, he has. Well, it's not the sport I know best. Mm-hmm. And for Mayweather, what are we talking about? We're talking about money. Money's a powerful. A draw. It's a powerful force. I get it, but professionally, he's and risking his entire career, his entire reputation. career to a guy who, who, and he rightfully said this is very unpredictable. You're not going to know how he's going to box, so prepping may be difficult. Listening to him talk know. made me. Bo- I'm again. Mayweather, Mayweather should said? have no problem with him. He's the best. I've seen the world's best boxers try to hit Mayweather, and I've seen one person, uh, Mosley, knocked him down at one point, and right. I almost fell off my chair. I was like, "Oh my god! Look, he got rocked." Mayweather got up and literally just schooled mm-hmm. Mosley again. So to get that one lucky shot, right? Yeah. Is gonna take a miracle, okay? But like you said, he he's gonna come in with something. But if you don't switch up your strategy every round, Mayweather's gonna learn your strategy. Like that whole argument, oh, there's no film on me, so he's screwed. Agreed. Maybe first round he won't know what to expect. First round he's two, watching everything it. you do. You get into any rhythm, he's gonna exploit it. He is the sm- as dumb as he sounds, and as much as people hate his personal life, and Floyd Mayweather is the best defensive boxer in the history of the world. Let's not forget. That's a great point. The MMA not only encourages but rewards action. Boxing isn't the same way. Boxing is not the same way. He may well frustrate McGregor to the point in the first couple of rounds where he can't hit him because he literally won't be able to because Mayweather's defense is superb. That that what's he going to do? He's not forced to sure. engage in him. MMA, UFC is different. But I have a question, Grant, and I haven't heard this. Um, what has Mayweather said about this fight? Is he just sort of playing Mayweather along? keeps saying, like, uh, at first he called him a... Uh, I think it was an, a fly on an elephant's back. Like, he's the elephant. He's the big deal. Sure. Like, I'll, I'll give you whatever you're worth, 10 million, I think he said, because it's more than he's ever made in a fight. Like, that's all you're worth. But he knows McGregor is going to get more than that. But again, I mean, he hasn't really talked about the fight itself. Like, he's not worried. Again, he's beaten everybody that's a boxer. You're not a boxer. Has he suggested that this fight will in any way take 
take form, take shape like McGregor in your club? I mean, yeah, he was the first one that said, look, we're, we're May- definitely Mayweather talking did. about this. Okay. They said it now. He's kind of died off on it. And now McGregor at that pay-per-view made it very clear. Like, he says, this is my only focus right now. He talked about UFC matchups and he said, that'll get handled after this. And I think that's very clear. He made that clear to Dana White because what do we have now? We have, we have a, um, sorry, a interim title fight already. He won the championship belt. He yeah. won the title belt, what, two months ago? Yeah. There's already an interim title. Because he's made it clear, I'm going away, it's for the birth of his kid. I get that. I think it's more than just that. And I think he's smart because, look, if this happens, let's say he has to wait two years. You come back two years from now, you're still the biggest name. Everybody's going to, look, George St. Pierre, if he could still fight and wouldn't be an idiot and uh, make them kind of give into this, he'd be fighting and making money. I think for every fight fan, they want to see this. Uh, boxing fan, I think UFC fans, MMA fans would love to see this. Even people who don't like fighting will want to see it because it's going to be talked about. Well, I'm not the biggest right? fight game. You I'm not the, the biggest fight guy, but I, people don't like football. The Super Bowl is the Super Bowl, right? People that I people that don't even watch a sport come to a Super Bowl party. Why? Because everybody's talking about it, and you know on Monday you're going to need an answer. And in Houston, Scotland, they're going to be watching it. You saw uh, that. Marshawn Lynch. He's a beauty, hey? He, how they wrote it, he's a national treasure. It's so true. He, he really is. I, by the way, had no idea that Houston is originally a Scottish city. I didn't know that. Did you I did not know that either. I don't think Marshawn Lynch knew that. <laughs> I think he said, give me a ticket to Houston, and they asked him, like, and they, and they Texas Scotland? or Scotland? And he said, send me. I got, did you see his face when they tried to make him put on the kilt? He, uh, no. Oh, man. He is, he is gold. Uh, super entertaining. Uh, I miss the guy. But look, I mean, I like doing the show with you, Freddie. I'm not going to lie. Look, we cover a myriad of subjects. <laughs> Did I just mess? You know what it is? We've been watching. For those of you who don't remember, we watched Jeopardy before the show. And I think somebody learned not just the word of the day. <laughs> the word of the day is myriad. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> no, but uh, look. Great job captaining the ship today and yesterday, Grant. Uh, phenomenal job. Phenomenal we didn't job. do the fantasy update. I get it. I mean, we're going to tell you about it tomorrow if anything big happens. I'll say this. Habs lose 3-1. Toronto's uh, tied 1-1 it. with St. Louis. Oh, 1-1. Now, I know Mitch, Mitch Marner scored. It still says Mitchell, which bothers me, but we won't get into that. Uh, but look, before we end the show, I want to at least thank everybody we had on today. Yep. Uh, first of all, Freddie, love that you were here. Thank you. You, you supported me. You're always here. You're a gentleman like that. You came in. I was sad when you weren't here yesterday. You know, I thought we won't get a chance to do our last show uh, together, you know, hosting. So I'm really glad we did. Uh, this one here, who else do we have? Andrew Berkshire. Andrew Berkshire. Uh, obviously, check out his articles. We have Ryan Dixon, who writes for Sportsnet as well. Uh, we had Daniel Kalis on. We'll have him on again tomorrow. Uh, don't forget to check out the Sportsnet Central. Uh, it plays again tomorrow at 11. Uh, that's that. And, and look, and catch the podcast on the Sportsnet.ca mm. website. It'll be up later tonight. Yeah, it's usually up before midnight, so it's there in case you missed anything. For those of you on Facebook Live, thanks for tuning in. I know we don't move around much. You know, it's it's tough to talk and, and go, but uh, that's that. I put this song on. I thought it was fitting. Uh, it's from a long time ago. Turn it up a bit, quick, and we're going to end at 10 exactly. Don't worry. Have a good night, everybody. Thanks for joining. You ready to make it?